What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another installment of the BNS Awesome Podcast. I'm Scott, and... and... who's that? Ah, the bee, Mr. Bob, is off in Asia land. He's there, uh, watching some Godzilla movies, being the big guy in Asia, you know, you know how he does it. He's in Japan for a week. Since I got back from holiday, he decided to go on one too. So, this week what we're going to do is I'm going to give you guys a review on a TV show and a game, and at the very end, Bob is going to, uh give you guys a review on a movie that he went and saw in Japan. He sent me the audio, and uh, yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, it was a good week, though. We got some uh, good responses from our last podcast. This is episode five. Um, so this week, I uh, checked out Orville season, or episode one. Uh, it's so good. So good. Seth MacFarlane is a genius. It is the star track of our generation uh i really like it so uh it starts off that it's the year uh 2418 and uh seth mcfarlane gets home from a long day at work and he walks in on his wife with another man and he's a blue guy i can't i can't remember what they're calling him uh whatever it doesn't matter and as he walks in, his head pops up, and he shoots blue jizz out of his head, and it goes everywhere. It's great. It's it's such a great opening to a show. He uh, he just has this surprised look on his face, and like the blue jizz shoots all up the side of her face. And as he's trying to leave, she's trying to stop him. But all I can look at is the jizz on her face, and she's like, "No, don't go. Stop. Please come back." So it was a really good opening. So it sets up for like the next scene of one year later, things have kind of settled down and uh, are going a lot better for him, I guess. Uh, a captain walks in and he's like, oh, guess what? We got a, a ship for you finally. If it wasn't for all of your terrible work in the last year since his divorce, I guess it would have been a lot better. Yeah, the captain pretty much just tells him that he sucks. And the only reason he's getting the ship is because they don't have anybody else to give the ship to. So it, uh, he goes through and, like, they go through the all the different cast members, kind of. It's a, your basic uh, setup for a pilot episode. So the first person you meet is uh, the navigation captain, navigation guy, uh, Malloy. And uh, he got, so the story behind him is that he had been kicked off of the flight crew because he was drawing penises on everybody's ships, I guess. And uh, you walk, they, they kind of, Seth MacFarlane walks into the scene and the guy's playing a video game and uh, it's a samurai versus orc thing. It's, re it's really cool. And uh, he stops the program that he wrote and... Uh, he he's given the uh his game character uh a really cool like disposition so his name's Justin and uh he's an orc and he's he's just like oh he's like that's so awesome blah 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 like just like the sweetest guy and Malloy looks at him and he's like oh look Justin there's a butter or a ladybug on you he's like oh and chops off his head 
just randomly chops off his head. I was just like, that's like they set up this first episode so well. Like they give like not like a lot of backstory, but enough that you like get you get to know the characters and stuff. I found it really fun. So after that, like he he tells him that he's gonna join it, and uh, they take out the ship for the very first, or it's like a little pilot ship. He takes it from one end to the other, and uh, he cracks a beer. Malloy does. Or Malloy? Yeah, Malloy. He cracks a beer, and he almost hits a, another spaceship because he's he's telling uh, Seth MacFarlane's character. He's like, oh, what? It's my first time flying. Oh, I've had one beer. And then almost smokes into another ship. So uh, after that, they kind of like go and he has like a big meeting, like congratulating all the crew that's joined his uh, the Orville. Um, and, uh, so it starts off with, like, uh, Lamar, who's the other navigation guy, and he's pretty good, like, his first question is, uh, so, uh, the other captain, he let us, he let us have drinks on the bridge, like, like, can we have, uh, drinks on the bridge? <laughs> and he, he gets a yes, and, uh, he's just like, yeah, that's dope, uh-huh, thank you, he's, he's, I guess you could say he's, he's the token, uh, African-American fellow. And then there's uh, Bordis. Uh, he's part of a single, a single gender species that uh, it's all males. So there's there's always that uh, one joke, the female joke. But, oh well, at least something you don't have to put the seat up when you pee or something. I can't remember. It was pretty good. There's Alora. She's got super strength. She's like some sort of alien where the 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 weight of her planet makes her 25 strong 25 times stronger than any human so like in later episodes you get to see her use it which is pretty fun she's uh she's a neat character like a few of the characters start off pretty like bland and get better as they go like i'm up to i think it's up to episode 10 now and like i think now they're just starting to find like their real like who the characters are and stuff and like how they should go about each other. Um, so then there's the doctor, who is Dr. Clara Finn. And she pretty much joins the mission just because she thinks that uh, they're going to fuck it up. <laughs> and they do lots, which is fun. In the later episodes, uh, she uh, Seth MacFarlane makes, says something about his balls. And she's like, oh, well... If there is anything wrong with your balls, I'll make sure that I get them checked or something. I thought that was pretty good, too. Then there's Isaac. He is my favorite. He's the robot racist. He uh, he comes from a planet where his planet thinks that all other races are uh, just stupid. Like, they have no use. He has no use for any of these people. So, he, like, he makes everything that he does seem better than everybody else. He's like, oh, I can't remember off of the Space space Odyssey, was it, with Will Robinson? He had a, the fucking, the guy too, the robot. It's like the smart-ass version of the robot from that. Uh, what else was there? He just, yeah, he just thinks that all the humans are stupid. And like, he just degrades them and stuff. So, yeah, I like his character a lot. Uh, it, it goes on to talk, like, 
So pretty much they go on to talk about like a whole bunch of different stuff. Um, Norm McDonald's also in this. He plays like the slime guy. And when I heard his voice, it kind of caught me off guard. I was like, holy shit, is that Norm McDonald? Because like, who's heard from Norm McDonald in the last 10 years? He hasn't been doing much. I think he does a podcast. I think that's about it. Yeah, so it goes on. They uh, find out that uh, his wife, the one that got covered in the blue jizz, is now going to be his second in command because there's no other person to be a second in command that wants to be. Uh, she, there's a, there's a really good talk about, uh, she's like, oh, well, are you still mad about this? Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, of course I'm mad about it. You fucked Papa Smurf. (laughs) It's, it's so great. They make, they make such good, like, references about, like, I don't even know if they're references. They just make good jokes. Uh, Seth MacFarlane, it's, it's going to be good jokes either way. Like, uh. Like I've, we've said in the other podcasts that we really like Family Guy and American Dad. So uh, Cleveland Show, it's all Seth MacFarlane. Uh, he does really, really over-the-top stuff. But this, they they go on with the episode and uh, they're introduced to the bad guys, uh, the Krill. And then it really turns into like a better Star Trek episode than you've ever seen. And I'm not a big Star Trek fan, but like I remember watching it growing up. My dad loved Star Trek, and uh, like as like we grew up watching it, so like I I remember a lot of like the really good Star Trek episodes. So this is like it adds in the comedy element of it, so it's not so serious. They uh, they take a lot from Star Trek. I think uh, they I think Seth MacFarlane has said that he really loved Star Trek and Star Wars growing up. So it makes you understand why the as the season goes on, you like there's even more stuff like the bad guys, the Krill, they're pretty much uh the Borgs, I think it's the Borgs. I can't remember what exactly they were in Star Trek, but like same kind of deal. They uh they're trying to take over all these other planets and do their thing and whatever it is. So they they get the they find out that there's some aging device that could be used to harm people. There's like a a, a knockoff no name bad guy. I think his name's like Jim or Ted or whatever it is uh, on this other planet, and he. He wants to give the krill the this aging device, so he calls the krill and tells him that, "Oh yeah, you can come and get it." And Seth MacFarlane lies to his crew and tells him that the krill are coming for a pizza party, but none of them are invited. And the one guy just he's like, "Oh, he's like, I really wanted to go to a pizza party." It was pretty good. I think it was Bordis. Um, so it. it after that, they decide that they're going to give them the aging thing, but also give them like a, a, I can't remember, some some sort of an acorn or some sort of a tree um, nut. So they send it over to them, and then he gives them the code, and it's like they jam it into the tip of this aging thing. Uh, so as soon as he hit, he hits it, the tree grows up in the ship, and the ship explodes. 
And I think Seth MacFarlane's like, yeah, have a happy Arbor Day or something because Arbor Day is the one where in the States you plant trees, I think. I don't know. I don't know what Arbor Day is. And they all kind of look at him and they're like, oh, that's not a very good like outline. And the girls, and he's like, well, what? What would you guys say? And uh, his second in command, his ex-wife goes, here's some wood or got wood. And everybody else on the crew laughs. And that was the end of the episode. I th- I can't wait to watch another season of this. I th- I hope they do 10 seasons. It's, and you know it'll get repetitive. There's like a few other people in it that I like. Uh, I think in episode 9, uh, Ralph Garman from uh, Kevin and Bean Show and Hollywood Babylon with Kevin Smith is in it. And uh, he plays a bartender. Kind of like, I think it's Watto was the... Was it Watto? No, I think Watto was the wrong guy. Whatever, the the bartender from Star Trek with the orange head. I can't, next generation, I think it was. So, anyways, I'm going to give Orville a four, Ghost at a five. I love the show. They uh, they do such a good job on all of the aspects of what a Star Trek show should be nowadays. And with the funniness and, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. So the next thing I'm going to talk about is uh, a game I played. I, I bought it today. I heard some things about it. I really wanted to check it out. And it was I Assassin's Creed Origins. Uh, the franchise had stepped away for a year because they didn't think that they were doing a very good job with the last few. Uh, this, I, I haven't played much. I played maybe two hours so far. Uh, I really like what they've changed, though. There's a leveling up system, almost like an RPG element to it. Uh, the story so far is pretty good. It It is hit. There's a part, I, I don't want to spoil anything, so cover your ears. I'm going to spoil one little tiny thing. Give you five seconds. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, so the one guy, he... I can't remember even what his name is. Uh, the main guy. He ends up killing his own son. And, oh, it was heartbreaking. I guess being a dad, that that's why it's heartbreaking for me. It, uh, I was just like, oh, it's so sad. It's, But it's Assassin's Creed still. There's still the jumping and hopping from building to building. Uh, the controls are a little funny. Like... Maybe it's just because I haven't played an Assassin's Creed game for a bit. Uh, the last one I played was Black Flag, and I loved Black Flag. I think Black Flag was probably one of the my games of the year for whatever it was, 2014, 2015 when it came out. And I haven't touched them since because I've heard nothing but terrible things from the community about the Assassin's Creed series. So I'd heard this one was good. I picked it up. It was on black friday deal for 55 dollars it's so far i think it's worth 55 dollars i i'm i'm happy with it they uh they upgraded like your like i said with rpg elements like you upgrade your character every character has like a level like every bad guy has a level and i guess if you go into an area you can go into any area 
off the hop, but a lot of those people are higher level than you. So it's really hard to like progress when you have people at such a higher level than you. They have a new element with the bird uh, where he kind of soars over and he searches stuff out for you and he can he can check out how many bad guys are hanging out and around. It, it was cool. Um, there's there's golden guys. I, I've killed a few of those. I think they're captains. It's it's different though for me. I haven't like I said I haven't played a game like this for a bit because I've been in the FPS rat race, I guess you could say. I've been playing lots of Overwatch and uh like even like the Hunter Call of the Wild, which is more or less a first person shooter. Uh what else have we been playing? Like yeah, just it seems like there was like a overabundance of first person shooters for the last little while. And this has been, like, it's a nice change of pace. It's fun to, like, jump on people and stab them, I guess. The the sword combat feels really nice. Uh, somebody had said that it kind of looked like Dark Souls, like, with the combat and stuff. I don't find that at all. Uh, I am not a fan of the Dark Souls series. I know a lot of people are. I, I just find them too hard. They get really fucking hard sometimes. And uh, I, I want to beat a game, but I don't want to have to spend 90 hours playing it to beat it because I've died however many times. So this game, it's uh, like I said, it's fun. I think that they made a giant improvement. I've heard from the last ones. All I can say is from Black Flag. And yeah, it's a huge improvement. You, and this is like the origins, well, I guess that kind of explains the title, Assassin's Creed Origins. This is the origin story of the Assassin's Brotherhood. Uh, and they, yeah, I think they hit the hammer or hit the nail on the head with this one. It's, it's a good boost for other companies too to see that they can take a year off and make a good game rather than rushing everything like the Call of Duty series always does. I'm... I hate that. Call of Duty puts one out every year. Same with NHL. Uh, any, I'll, we'll, I'll talk about that in a second. We, so anyways, I'm right now. I'm gonna give it, uh, and also, I'll also give it a four stars, or four ghosts out of five ghosts, for just being creative and something new. Uh, so yeah, but I'll, I'll take it back over to what I was saying about franchises that need to change. Uh, this year I opted, I, I, I've bought in every single NHL game for the past 20 years. I bet I love NHL series. Uh, this year though was the first year I didn't buy it because there is no more, like there's, they haven't done anything to it. They added one, like a mini game to it. And like, it's the same thing as it has been for the last five years I've heard. They just add like a little tiny bit. I would really like to see the NHL games go the way of like the 2K games or something like that. Like add a story mode in. I guess, well, uh, Madden this year put a story mode in and everybody raved about it, how awesome it was. So I'd really like to see like an NHL story mode. Uh, it would just be make a game that I enjoy a little better, right? Uh, another thing I want to talk to you guys about this week was 
all the microtransactions crap again. Like, it just can't get out of, like, gaming news lately. There's been even more controversies now with Battlefield, uh, Star Wars Battlefield 2. Like, they, at first it was, so you need to spend about 40 hours playing the game to unlock uh, Luke, Skywalker, and Darth Vader. See, they could have done this a lot differently rather than, like, and they're the top two I would think they would be the top two wanted to be played characters, right? They're it's Luke and Darth, father versus son. Like, and they, you had the option to pay for it. Uh, there's been like, yeah, there's been guys online that have figured out. Okay, so at the current rate of like however many their currency in the game to get it, it would take them forty hours to unlock a guy. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, and that's the first-person shooter thing. Like, who's going to spend 40 hours grunt? Like, I know what I, we've done it, too. Like, we play Destiny, and we know that, yeah, you grind games for a long time. But 40 hours to unlock one person, maybe? Because there's a good chance that you're going to get tired of fucking trying to get them. Especially trying to work 40 hours of the game you're going to want somebody else to play you're not going to play the same person for 40 hours so they they cut the transaction amount in half at first before this is before the game was even released people were bitching about this and then now what they've done is they've cut out all the microtransactions out of the game for this present moment i listen to a lot of podcasts about video games uh, one of them's the kind of funny games daily i really enjoy it and a question brought up on there was do you think that uh the the people are right they say that what they're trying to do is take you put in microtransactions to divvy up the costs because it costs more to make a game nowadays i don't think i think that's bullshit to be honest uh with digital sales the way that they are nowadays, like I bet you digital sales are about half. I bet you it's about 50-50 right now uh, for like game sales. So if you take all that money from the digital sales, so say a big title game like uh, the new Call of Duty World, at World War II, you take half of that and that game price gets knocked back to probably... because they don't have to pay distributors fees they don't have to pay boxing fees they don't have to pay discs fees like at least half is what they could charge and they would still make them money so in reality that game like each copy is costing them only $15 they're still charging out $69.99 in Canada or no sorry in the states and then in Canada it's $79.99 like they don't need the microtransactions. I don't think. I understand that they like that there's the physical copies that people want to buy and pick up, but it's slowly working the way so that the only like EB Games and GameStop and all those are slowly going to disappear because they don't need physical copies anymore. It's just physical copies are phasing out, I think. And I think they should. 
it's so much easier to buy digitally. Yes, I understand that you can't keep them forever. But do you, in 10 years, do you really need to play it again? Some would argue yes. Some would argue no. I, I'm i on the sides of out with the old in with the new because you got to keep on moving forward to get things ahead. You're never going to just sit there and I don't know. Some people do. Some people love playing the old games. I guess that's not for me to say. But I, th- I think that the microtransaction thing is a whole bunch of bullshit. And I think they need to do away with it. Because the community is starting to stand up and say, look, we're not going to do this anymore. Because we're tired of the bullshit of it. So, I guess in closing, I'll say that I want to see a day where they don't have to force purchases on people so that the game can be won i don't know this is kind of a random episode uh it's hard for me because i got nobody to bounce stuff off of but that's that's what i wanted to talk about on uh this episode it's gonna be a little shorter than the last few episodes because uh like i said bob's not here and uh on our next episode, we'll make sure that we uh, spend a little more time and give you guys a little better rundown. Uh, so for the BNS Awesome Podcast, I'm Scott and Bob's in Japan. <laughs> Baba Bui. Hi, it's uh, me, Bob, and uh, this is going to be my review on Godzilla Monster Planet. I'll be speaking softly and using different audio recording equipment because I'm down in Ueno, in Tokyo. I think I need to mention this a couple times. There's going to be spoilers. If you don't want the movie spoiled for you, just uh, turn this off now. I don't know when this is going to come out, but it's probably going to come out before it's released on Netflix. So, uh, yeah, we'll get into it. Spoilers. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Okay, so this movie starts out in space, several thousand years in the future, after, uh, I'm not going to really get into the plot of this movie too much, except for monsters start showing up, and, uh, there's a Godzilla shows up and kills everybody, all the monsters, we've got to get it off the planet, a bunch of aliens come and show up and help us out, so, uh, this movie is what most people expected, it's part one of three, it's the humans coming back to the planet, fighting Godzilla and the other, uh, Serval, Servums, yeah, Servums, and, uh, at the, after he tries to mutiny on the, uh, spaceship they're on, the main character, he, uh, was a little bit of a flashback for, uh, I guess, uh, explaining the backstory, there's, a couple of cameo appearances, it's just, it's just stills, the, the biggest cameo there is the, uh, Mecha Godzilla, as it were, built by the aliens, and, uh, that comes back later in the film, but, uh, yeah, so, film starts off, they get to the planet they're going to, and, uh, it's unhabit, uninhibitable, they can't, they try to get through the atmosphere, their, uh, shuttle explodes, so, that's kind of a downer after the guy just tried to hijack the shuttle. But, uh, yeah, so they get back. Main character's under arrest for, uh, 
mutiny, and they devise a plan to destroy Godzilla. So, uh, and uh, there's there's two species of aliens in this movie. There's the not Vulcans and the not Klingons. I'm just making those names up, but seriously, one race is pale with pointy ears and a mystic religion, and the other ones are a little more down to earth and they look just like Klingons from the uh, first season of Star Trek. It's kind of funny. I was sitting in there thinking about that as the movie was playing, but uh, anyhow, so the uh, not Vulcan main character gives our protagonist this uh, potential plan to defeat Godzilla, and uh, so he uh, presents it. He's, he's got all the files downloaded, so he can uh, he can present it as his plan, and that's their game plan. So uh, after traveling several thousand you know, light years out of the way, now that the area is safe, they just hit the undo button, because they know the route back to Earth, and they just zoop back to Earth, like, instantly, and they, uh, send out some drones, and, uh, drones wake up Godzilla, they're like, oh my god, he's still alive after all these years, ah! So they, uh, they go down to the planet, they, uh, do some exploring, they make a little landing pad, because there's a lot of foliage in the way, and they realize that, oh my god, a bunch of these trees are pretty much Godzilla, and the servo, they're also pretty much Godzilla, and everything's all metallic-y, because this Godzilla's got metallic fibers. But, uh, yeah. So then the servo attack and mess them up, and, uh, and they shake that off. Then Godzilla attacks, and, uh, protagonist's cute little girlfriend, I suppose, she, uh, she tries to get the ship out of the way, crashes it, so he goes on a little hover bike to save the day and distract Godzilla, and his commanding officer is like, oh no, I'm going to be the glory hog here, and he runs out, and he gets exploded, so that's what happens to that guy. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, they regroup, they plan to take out Godzilla, and, uh, they come up with a plan, they're going to get him along a path, and bury him, and launch EMPs and his back to make him overload, and, uh, get a couple of setbacks, they, uh, have to fly around on more hover bikes, they sent all the hover bikes this time, then, you know, the servum come, and horrible things happen, but, uh, they, they managed to pull it off, they managed to bury him, full and full of EMPs, he goes to attack our main protagonist, and then he explodes, because the EMPs overload him, shards of Godzilla everywhere, he blows up, just, what happened to Godzilla, oh, he blew up, splinters everywhere, it's like, oh my god, this is insane, but, uh, yeah, so this is happening, like, Godzilla, boom, explodes, everyone's like, oh yeah, we did it, we did it, and then, you, uh, hear a lot of noise coming out, whole mountainside collapses, and it's like, oh, that wasn't the Godzilla who chased us off Earth, that was just another Godzilla, the Godzilla that chased us off Earth has been growing all this time, and now he's like two kilometers high, and super powerful, so as soon as they see him, they're like, beat it, get the hell out of here, and he, uh, he burps, and takes out a bunch of their fleet, like, I'm, I'm not even kidding, he, he's, like, charging up to do his atomic breath attack, and he's like, nah, I'm an old man, I don't care, so he just kind of, like, burps at him and knocks a bunch of chips out of this guy, and he gives him the old grumpy, old grumpy man look, 
as more of them are trying to get away on the hover bikes and tanks and the rest of the uh, aircraft carriers. And he just looks at him. He's like, ah, get off my lawn. I can't take this anymore. And he swings his tail around and has a shockwave and just, like, takes out everybody. And then, uh, last scene of the movie is our main character looks at Godzilla. He's trapped under the ruins of his little personal mech he was using. And he goes, Kisama! So, uh, he's like, you bastard! It made me laugh because, you know, language barrier. I, I pick out, you know, probably about, 25 to 50% of what's going on with the words. But, you know, you have someone say, Kasama! To Godzilla, it's like, yeah, again, I, I, I know what he's... I know what he's aiming for right now. But, uh... Yeah, it was, uh... It was better than I thought it would be. Like, I know people weren't as stoked as they are for Shin. I saw that because it was opening night in a brand new theater. Went and saw it at the, uh, Toho Cinemas in Ueno. It's, uh, just opened on the 4th of this month, apparently. But, uh, yeah. Uh, theater was not packed. Uh, no one actually sitting around me for the, uh, movie. Like, uh, probably about three quarters to seven-eighths full in the theater. But, um, what else? Uh, interesting antidote I never remember to ask or tell people is that I'm in Japan right now, obviously, when the, uh, no noise, no eating, no kicking, no, uh, no bothering other people comes on in every Toho cinema I've ever been to, which is a couple by now, it's always in English with English writing, which makes me laugh, because, you know, it's just, you know, <laughs> uh, rude, loud, angry angloids, it's somewhat true, I suppose, but, uh, yeah, um, a rating I would give this movie, seeing as it's only part one of three, and I'm kind of interested how it's going to go, I'd give it a solid three and a half ghosts, and, uh, a couple people walked out of the theater right after the movie ended, I stuck around, like, because, you know, I want to watch the credits, see what's happening, there is a, uh, after the credits scene, he's in a hut with, oh, oh my god, it turns out, not everybody on Earth died when they exodusted the planet. There are still people living. Tribal, feral-looking people, but still, they're there, and they're helping them out. And then after that, there was a uh, screen kind of lights up dark reveal going on, and they show the would-be alien Mechagodzilla with three of the main characters looking at it. So people are thinking that the uh, movie's building up to that, but, like, Godzilla, like you said, he's like... It's, uh... 13 or 1900, I'm trying to remember from the uh, readouts when they're scanning him, but uh, he's like giant and like he could probably pick up Mechagodzilla and throw it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's my review of the movie. I think I said, what, three and a half, uh, maybe four. I quite enjoyed the music in it. I liked the visuals. I didn't mind Godzilla's design. I find it strange, though, that he actually looks much better as a physical model than rendered in the uh, CGI. Um, I didn't watch any of the director's previous works. The only other thing I've seen from Polygon myself is the uh, Clone Wars. I'm not a giant Transformers fan. But, uh, yeah, so that's my bare-bones spoilerific review. It's exactly what people thought it would be, which is kind of a shame. 
we'll see what happens with these monster designs. Like, Orga, it's really hard to tell. He looked pretty much like Orga. And, uh, not every monster got... Not every monster in the uh, novel got a cameo. Dalga was there. Uh, they didn't even show Zilla. They showed France, which was odd, but no Zilla. Um, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> if Scott edits this, he's going to be laughing because he's going to try to edit all the ums out. And I think I said a lot of them because you know when you're here to say it. So I'll just say them to myself. Um, 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 um. But, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. I'm not sure when this is going to come out. I assume Scott will put it in somewhere. This has been B with no S, and thank you for listening to the B and G awesome podcast. The G is for Godzilla. Thanks.